The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. We are in Psalm 23 today. If you are new, welcome. My name is Ryan and I am your pastor. I am glad that you are here. And this morning's psalm, if you don't know it, it started out as, um, it's the funeral psalm, right? You've heard this. If you've watched movies, you've heard this. If you've watched, uh, whether it's, it's a shark movie with Ice Cube killing a shark, he says the prayer in that movie. It's in war movies. More contemporarily, um, because there's no, uh, a lot of us have not been to war, although some of us have because this is a big military community. I, I call this prayer the blue light prayer because it's when the blue lights show up in your rearview mirror. And you think, even though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, and you start praying that you're blessed by whichever cop you get. I was pulled over recently, and it was terrifying, only to find out that it was because we had not registered my wife's car, and it was like two months past due. And I honestly didn't know. So for the first time in my life, I didn't have to cry to get out of the ticket. I didn't have to lie to get out of the ticket. I just said, officer, it's her car. And, uh, and I got out of the ticket. It was great. So if you're flipping there, um, we're going to read this today. And I want to do something a little bit different because this is a very uh, popular psalm, a very famous psalm, a psalm that gets read at funerals. I want us to read this together. We, we've all heard this, so I'll put it up on the screen behind me. So if you could read aloud with me, um, this is what we will do. We're, we're going to read this psalm. It's only six verses long. And, uh, and I want us to think and look and dwell on the words of this psalm. So verse 1 of the psalm begins with saying, It is a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, amen. Let's, let's ask God to be present. Father, this, this passage outside of John 3.16 in our culture, God, I think this is probably the most quoted, the most known, the most read, the most heard passage. I pray that today we would not miss the point of this passage. Lord, I pray that today as we look at what it means to be living life in the realm of the shadow of the valley of death, that we would see hope. Lord, I pray also that we would understand what it means to have a shepherd who is good and loving and true. Lord, we are this morning your sheep. We are in need of your grace and your mercy. God, there's no argument that I can say that would change someone's heart today. Only you can change hearts. So I pray that, that your words would take over my mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Funerals and foxholes and finals, for those of you who are younger, are, are the times that people pray. Every time around finals, the memes pop up saying, prayer will always be alive in school as long as there are tests. Now, this psalm has so much to teach us. In, 
And I just need you to say this out loud with me today because of the culture of our society. Can you just say out loud, only if you believe it, today I will try and not be and get offended. Today I will try not to be offended. I'm, I'm just, let's just try this. Because today this is not going to be a safe space. Today the Bible is going to call you a name that I think is funny. And the Bible calls me the same name. Because this, this passage starts out right from the get-go. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Any shepherds in here? Okay, good. I can make up a lot of stuff about farming. Cool. God is our shepherd. Now, because we are not shepherding people, because we don't live in a farmland, um, obviously this service is from this side of Fishhawk. Because if we led people to Jesus from that side of Fishhawk, and I said, are there any shepherds? There'd be like 300 of you. Because I see cows and animals over there and over there. But what does it mean that God is our shepherd? What does it mean to be following someone that is leading us? Have you ever thought about the fact that if God is shepherd, then we are what? Sheep? I have a huge, yes, that was really good. Not only does Jose pray, Marcel does animal noises. Um, I have a really big issue with, with being a sheep. Why, why isn't God making us something amazing and cool? That's my first question. Why isn't God the lion tamer and we are the lions? Because then I at least get claws and I get a, a mullet and I get teeth. Or like, uh, why isn't God one of those guys? What are they called? The guys that have the leather and they have the birds? Falconer, falconer, falcon, hawk, sender, whatever it is. I, wanna, I want God to be that guy so I could be a hawk or an eagle. I want to be a bald eagle, not bald, but just a white-haired eagle. But no, God says, no, no, you're, you're sheep, and I'm your shepherd. Now, in case you don't know um, what this means for you, it means that you're not cool. It means that this is you when God sees you. That's you. God says, I'm your God. I'm your good shepherd, little sheep. This is you when you wake up in the morning. This is your children when they're born. This is your husband all the time. This is what it means when it says God is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And and this prayer is saying, when we say the Lord is my shepherd, we're also saying, God, I am your sheep. Okay, so are you tracking with me? Because this this only gets more offensive. But, But we need to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be one of the sheep of God? What does it mean to be the people who are led by God? Now, sheep, they had a, a cane, and I didn't have a cane with me. I was going to bring an umbrella imported from Israel, but I didn't have one. But the canes would often have a hook. And the shepherds would keep the sheep together because sheep, they, they like to be with their pack. And every once in a while, a sheep wanders away and gets lost. But we have to understand that the shepherd was needed because sheep are, are pretty dumb. They, they don't even, like, you can't even put a sheep in reverse if a sheep wants to go somewhere behind them, they have to turn around and go that way. If a sheep is attacked by somebody, it can't put out its teeth. It can't, it's not going to hoof a wolf to death. No, instead, a sheep will, what will a sheep do, Marcel? That's it. That's it. This is free marriage counseling advice. Is this free parenting advice? This is free coworker advice. Whenever you're annoyed with someone, just look at them and go, eh. <laughs> The Lord is my shepherd. 
The very next line is very telling. I shall not want, which means I'm, I'm going to have my needs met. And then it tells you which needs that you're going to have met. I'll, I'll pop that verse back up there for you. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep eat green stuff in pastures, in case we weren't connecting those dots. And then he, rest- uh, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. In our culture, we are addicted to being individuals. And I think it's interesting that for as much as we love individuality, everyone is just individually the same nowadays. There, there is no new trend under the sun. Every once in a while, um, I go to my hairdresser who sings in our choir and, and because I'm not a hairstylist, I just talk. Uh, I, she says, what do you want for your hair? And I say, you're the professional. Why are you asking me what I want for my hair? Ask my wife. And, uh, and she, she just does this. But today, I, I have to say, um, I was fe- feeling very individualistic this morning. I, w- I wanted to, to strive. I wanted to be unique. So I had my hair cut. And then this morning, I was looking at all the shirts that I don't have to iron because that's how I choose my outfits on Sunday. I look at the least wrinkled shirt, and I grab that one. But today, they were all wrinkled. So I'm like, I'm going to wear a T-shirt again, and I'm going to put this over it so that I can pretend to be a pastor for three quarters of my existence. And it's got leopard print. And then my day was made because one of the chapel family members in the lobby pulled me aside this morning, and, uh, and he said, you look like one of those uh, Latin soccer stars. I think he said players, but I added stars in my head. And uh, I was like, yeah, I, I, I am cool. I'm so cool, right? This is me. This is you, Latin soccer star. No, part of being a sheep means that we go where the shepherd tells us. Part of being a sheep means we follow the shepherd's lead because the shepherd knows better. The shepherd has a stick, actually two sticks, and this psalm, a staff and a rod. The shepherd protects us from evil. The shepherd will show us where to go and where to not go. The shepherd will care for us when we fall down. Now, we're not going to go through this whole passage today, but you need to read John chapter 10. Because John chapter 10 talks about how Jesus is the good shepherd. And I'm just going to read a few of the things that it highlights in John 10 when it refers to Jesus as being the shepherd. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them. Jesus goes before the sheep and they follow him. Jesus is also the door of the sheep. They enter into the flock through Jesus. We enter in through Jesus. There are false shepherds who come to kill and steal and destroy. Jesus is the good shepherd who comes to give life and give life abundantly. This is something that now we're probably thinking, okay, wait, I'm not a sheep. Don't take away my individuality from me. Why are we hearing a sermon about shepherding in the year 2017? And here's the reason that God wants to restore your soul And we all have a shepherd, whether we know it or not. A shepherd is whatever is guiding your life. Whatever is saying, go this way, don't go that way, go this way, don't go that way. Some of you have a boss who is a shepherd, whether good or bad. Now, the shepherds have two tools. They have a staff with the hook to graciously say, no, 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 come this way. And then they have a rod, and that was usually meant for beating things. And sometimes there was just a staff and a rod combo pack. 
And if a wolf came, the shepherd would kill the wolf or hit the wolf to protect the sheep. And sometimes if sheep were bad, the shepherds would kind of goad the sheep back. You just poke it in the hind quarters, give it a little nudge. You're going off the wrong direction. This is what we do in parenting. This is what some of your bosses do. Think about all the bosses you've had in your life. Some of you have had very staff bosses. They, they're kind. They guide you and lead you and ask you questions. Instead of saying, you stink at this, they say, you have an amazing opportunity for growth here. And then you also, some of you just got that. You're like, oh, no, that's what that means. Yes, that's what that means. Welcome to HR land, okay? Um, some of you have had bosses that, that use the rod. They, they just beat you into submission. Now, there, there's something we need to think about with Jesus as our good shepherd. First, he's always going to provide for us. So when our world says, go this way and you'll get everything you need, you can try out that experiment. But we've seen it play out enough in, on TV, in the media, in the news, where somebody gets everything that we think we want, and they still end up unhappy. Has anyone ever wondered why that happens? Has anyone ever wondered why in the most technologically advanced uh, country in, in Western Hemisphere that has ever existed in the planet of the world, we have the most number of people who are addicted to substances trying to escape the pain of their lives? And here's what's terrifying. It's the Ecclesiastes effect. The human heart longs to and needs something to guide it, to give it purpose and meaning and value. So we latch on to things that the story of our culture says to latch on to. We say, well, if I just get enough in this bank account and I get enough of a reputation in this company and if I get enough of a car that I like in this neighborhood, then I will finally be what I want to be and my soul will be whole. But we know that's not true. Because there's always the person next to you that has a little bit more, a little bit nicer. They always have the next model of car. And whatever you're turning to to be your shepherd, if it's not the good shepherd, it will always steal, kill, and destroy. You may not see it right away. It's like one of those dramas where somebody gets poisoned slowly over time, there's just a little sprinkle of gold flakes in their corn flakes. And then three months later, they die of heavy metal poisoning. That's the same way that it works. We start following a shepherd because there's something shiny, and we think, this is going to make me feel better. And we start to eat our gold corn flakes. And then you keep eating them because you see, well, my neighbor, they just ate more. They got more house, more car, more, more money, more this, more status. You know, and we, we do that as adults. That, that's where I'm at. But I don't want to discount the fact that now there's a whole new element involved. Social media is a wonderful place of misery and pain. It's a wonderful place where people show their best and hide the rest. Then you've got the two friends that show the rest and hide their best, and you pray for them often. Because now we, we don't just compare ourselves by the person that lives and our right and our left and across the street. We don't just compare ourselves to the people in our city. Now we've got 5,000 friends just posting pictures all day long. And there's always people on vacation. Doesn't that ever drive you crazy? It makes you feel like, what do these people do for a living? Just win the lottery? And they're just always, but it's not. They're, they're just posting their best and hiding the rest like we all do. But what would it look like if we recognize that we are just sheep and we are following a shepherd, that our job is not to strive but to follow, that our job is not just to, to try to wander out and make our own way, forge our own path, but follow the one who will show us the right path. 
Follow the person who will lead us on a path that is not going to kill, steal, and destroy. What would that look like? Man, I, I love, I loved this week being a sheep. This morning I woke up and I, I didn't want to be a sheep. But all this week I thought, Lord, this, this Christian thing, it's so easy. I'm a dumb animal and you're the amazing God of the universe. So I don't, I don't have to worry about anything. Do you know what a sheep worries about? Two things. Grass, water. That's it. Sheep's not worrying about anything else. The wolf might come. The sheep will look up at the shepherd. The grass gets low. The sheep looks up at the shepherd. The water is running dry. The sheep just looks at the shepherd. And a good shepherd will lead us to where we have life abundantly. Now, um, I love uh, I love seeing kids and how they play follow the leader. My my boys are aging up this week. Today is Silas's sixth birthday. Um, I'm very excited because he's my favorite right now. Um, and then Jackson turns nine on Thursday. And then in the middle there, my my brother gets older. I don't care about him um, until next service when he's here. So one of the things that I've I've been realizing, I I gave my kids this new thing. They can they can play outside now. And I used to be that parent, I was like, no, you can play as long as this retractable 25-foot dog leash lets you play. But then I remembered that once upon a time, I was a child, and I went outside, and I survived somewhat. So I said, okay, here's your boundaries. Here's your walkie-talkie, and I want you to take your brother and protect and love your brother. This is your only job, Jackson. You protect and love your brother. That's it. Anything else you do, if you don't do those things, you fail. If you do those things, win. Uh, But I've learned that that there is a peer pressure that is very painful and real in this age bracket. My kids came home yesterday, and they looked like they had just gotten a wrestling match with a mud monster. And I said, what happened? And this is, you can't make this stuff up. My son Jackson says, we were at the park, and some older kids came, and they wanted to play football with us, but they only wanted to play tackle football. But they only wanted to tackle us. We just didn't tackle them. I'm like, so wait, you're telling me that kids that are bigger than you, faster than you, stronger than you, heavier than you, they wanted to play tackle football with you, but then they wouldn't let you tackle them? He said, he said no, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let us tackle them. I said, why not? Well, because they said it'd be too hard for us to tackle them, and it was just more fun if they tackled us, so all the little kids just kept getting tackled by these older, bigger kids. Right? You're feeling what I'm feeling. Disappointment that your son's not a man. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I was feeling entirely. Um, but I looked at him and said, hey, you just got played. You, are, the, are these kids much bigger than you? Because if you don't know my son, he, he takes after me. So he's like this tall and he's eight. And I, he said, no, no, we're, we're about the same size. You know, they're, they're sixth graders. or They call them sixies. I'm like, that sounds bad. I'm like, okay, so I want you to go back there and just go tackle one of them. And he said, well, daddy, we're not playing football anymore. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> you run straight there. You don't stop. You look like a lion and just eat them. And then I reined in my sin nature and said, no, we're just going to pray. The next time someone tries to get you to do something that you know is probably not right, not smart, not good, that you step back and say, I I don't think I have to do this. I don't think I have to follow the way the crowd is going. Now, that's easy for me to tell an eight-year-old. It's much harder for me to tell a room of people who are between 12 and 80. Because you, we've been all getting sold this thing that if you follow this path, if you listen to these voices, then your life will go the way that it's supposed to. 
but for some reason it never quite does. And we never stop and ask the question, why? Am I on a treadmill? Am I on an exercise bike that has me going in circles? If we follow the shepherd, we get some really cool promises. So for the Bible owners out there, verses 1 to 3 says it's a, it's a me passage. It's the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He leads me. And then in verse 4, it switches. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. By show of hands, we've heard this, right? Okay, just, just making sure. Uh, we probably all heard it in the same places, funerals, movies, etc. when somebody's about to die. Now, I don't know about you, but as you all know, I am fascinated with death. Fascinated. Um, today, they're teaching the kindergartners and first graders that this is not our heavenly home, but uh, this is not our permanent home, but God's kingdom is our forever home. That's what they're teaching the little kids back there. And my, my mother-in-law is teaching, I think, in this service, the, the kindergartners and first graders. And I said, Melody, if I've prepared you for anything in our friendship, it's that you're ready to talk about people dying. So go forth and be bold. Hopefully your kids don't come out of there crying or she did it wrong. But, but here's what I want to think about. First, I'm just going to say, side note, Valley of the Shadow of Death I, is probably not the greatest translation, but it was what was in the King James. So now, because we've all memorized it that way, we say it. But if you have a Bible that has little letters and numbers, you'll notice that it has a letter by there. And it'll say that that is probably best translated like a darkest valley. Anyone been through a dark valley? I've been through some severely dark valleys. But here's the good news. Read this verse with me really quick. Just the first line. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Okay, here's an issue that I've, we've got to deal with today. This passage says that there is a valley. A valley is a space between two hills or mountainous things. A mountain is where the earth has collided because the crust has pushed upward. Okay, Floridians, um, that's the valley. The sun, when it comes up, when there's two mountains on either side, I'm trying to do this illustration for you guys who grew up in the swamplands. The sun cuts across the valley, and you can see where the sun line ends, and you're just in the shadow of the valley. Now, also, if you don't know what valleys are, valleys are the place where everything grows the most, with the most thickness as possible. Just imagine Florida, but only in a strip between mountains, okay? Just thick shrubs, angry creatures, darkness, creepy noises. What is driving me crazy, because we've got two people on, on social media, we've got two people in life. We've got the people in life who show your best, hide the rest. And then we've got the people who show the mess, and that's all they ever show because nothing's ever the best. The Bible says that we are going to be taken with God through the valley. Say it with me, fam. Through the valley. We're not, we don't have to stop in the valley. Some of you have been in a valley a long time. Some of you, when I say valley, I'm talking dark, painful, hard place. Some of you are in a, a marriage. Some of you are in a friendship. Some of you are in a job where you're like, my job is my valley. It's the shadow of death. I name my cubicle valley. I name my computer of the shadow. I name my keyboard death. That's where some of you are at. God says with him, we get to go through the valley. You don't need to set up camp in the valley. You don't need to cook dinner in the valley. For heaven's sake, don't take selfies in the valley. Oh. Don't blog in the valley. Don't vlog in the valley. Don't tweet in the valley. Pray in the valley. 
that God's going to get you through the valley. And if we're following the shepherd, we don't have to mope in the valley because we, we can trust that he is going to get us to green pastures with still waters. Now, some of your valleys might be long, long valleys. We have a patience problem in our culture. A, and that's saying it very lightly. We have a culture where once upon a time it was here today, gone tomorrow. Now it's here today, gone. It's that fast. Now I know everything that all of these people are doing. All you have to do is log on to Twitter. I can log on to Twitter and see where the president ate his lunch. Could you imagine if they could do that back when Abe Lincoln was around? I mean, I don't care what he's having for lunch, but you could do it. We share things so much, and our world moves so fast. We don't have an idea and a concept of what it means to walk through something. My kids love uh, this Pokemon game. They still play it, even though it's way out of style now. It came out, like, so last year. Um, but they still play it. And this is a game where you're supposed to walk, and it tracks how far you walk. So it was a good concept. Great idea, Nintendo. Get my kids out of the house walking for exercise, because it's good. I believe we should all walk and talk and hang with Jesus and catch Pikachus, okay? However, this is my kids. Daddy, we really want to go Pokemon hunting. Can you take us to Winthrop and just drive around in your car? And this is me. Okay. So I drive around until my car's averaging 0.7 miles per gallon at five miles an hour. Because if I go too fast, my older son will say, Daddy, slow down. We're not getting Pokemon tracking numbers. So if you ever see a Jetta and two little kids screaming and a dad losing his mind going around Winthrop like this, it's because there's little Pokemon stops. And I've got to go five miles an hour for an hour and a half of my life just wasting away. And then I thought one day, I thought, man, you know what's crazy? In my brain, I'm getting all worked up over this. Now, I know it's not the, the best way to parent, but when I do my, these Pokemon things with my kids, and granted, I, we'll do that. We'll go to Menchie's, get some yogurt. But we get home, they're like, Daddy, I love you so much. And they'll come into the bed at night. Uh, we got a king bed, so all, all of us, all five, soon to be six of us, are climbing that bed. And my wife's over there like, and I'm like, hey, you know, because um, she's pregnant, in case you don't know. Um, so they'll be with me, and, and they'll just come up and say, Daddy, thank you for being the best dad. Thank you for Pokemon hunting. Thank you for driving around. Thank you for yogurt. And that lasts until they fall asleep and wake up again and forget everything good I've ever done for them. But... <laughs> But it's so amazing that all I did was just slogged around. And in the Bible, we tend to make it so much about me, me, me. I started thinking, what is it like for the shepherd to lead us through the valley? God has a family of which he is the father of over a, a billion to one, 1.5 to 2 billion kids who get in trouble constantly, can't stop whining and pray for ludicrous things. God, if I could just get, God, I just need this job, and then I'll be happy. And he's like, no, no, you'll be happy if you get me. Just look, at, look up, look up here. But no, God, I don't want to look up yet, because I just need to do this one more thing. No, no, you just need me. Follow me. No, God, I'm just going to follow this path. Don't go down that path. Follow me. And God is with us. It says, in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with us. Where is he with us? 
in the valley. God doesn't sit up on the mountains far away. Hello! Climb harder, weaklings. No, no. He's a shepherd. Shepherds are near their sheep. This is what I love about the God of the Bible, is that we don't have to fear because he is with us and he's going to get us through the valley. Now, here's the next part that's tough. I'm just going to offend somebody, okay? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, my generation, we call ourselves like, I'm like the bridge. I'm the bridge between Gen Xers and then the millennials. Like, I'm not a millennial because if you hand me too much technology, I implode. But I can use a phone and I know what I'm doing and I never throw my phones out of frustration. Um, My generation did not like discipline very much at all. Uh, the generation before me, uh, all, every, pretty much every generation, like the builders, the boomers, you guys loved this discipline stuff. It was regimented. Someone told you you're doing something wrong. You just pressed through because you wanted to be great. You wanted to rebuild this country. And then we meet Gen Xers. Don't tell me what to do. And then we had millennials, like my kids and the kids, like my, my kids in age and a little bit older. They hate discipline more than my generation hated discipline. So the next thing I'm going to say If you don't like discipline, you can send me hate mail. If you want to call me bad words, there you go. Text it. I'll save it, screenshot it, use it for motivation. The rod and the staff. We like the rod. The provision, the protection. The rod leads us sheep. It gives us care, but it also gives us correction. Like I said, we like the staff because that's the thing that God uses to bring us back. We're wandering a little bit. God brings us back. Now, there's a story that I, I researched, and I tried to find out where it actually came from, and I'm 95% sure that pastors made it up. So if you can find the actual source for this, for this illustration, please let me know. But I'm going to use it because it's so amazing. So shepherds, I do know that when a sheep goes out of line, they would, they would whack a sheep. Just pow. Just like spare the rod, spoil the child. Boom. A sheep would do it again. Shepherd would get his rod out, the rod that usually kills wolves, sheep, bear, wolves, bears, and lions. Hit the sheep again. Whack! And the sheep would burl up, come back into line. But if a sheep had that temperament where it would keep walking away, eventually the shepherd would give it a big old crack. And as the illustration goes, oftentimes the shepherd would break that sheep's leg. So the shepherd would take the sheep and put it over his shoulder and walk around. And I'm like I said, pastors made this up, I'm sure of it. And the the shepherd would care for the sheep, mend the sheep, take the sheep back. And the, they would hit the sheep. I don't know if they would necessarily break the sheep's leg because I would usually kill the sheep from what I found out. But the shepherd would care for sheep this way, would hold them on their shoulder, especially when they were injured. And if it was at the hand of the shepherd, the shepherd would still have to carry that little sheep until it healed. And then it would put the sheep down, and those sheep would never leave the shepherd's side, even if the shepherd was the one who injured it. That's... That's amazing for a couple of reasons. One of them is pictures like this. Because that means that Jesus just beat that lamb. (laughs) Right? We're like, oh, so cute. No. Jesus just saw a little lammy going the wrong way and gave it a little whack and thwack. And then we paint them all nice. This is just for your enjoyment. You, Jesus, after he beats one of you, okay? But what does it mean? Why are we so uh, anti-discipline? 
And like I said, my generation, we are bad with this. We want to just be ourselves. Don't tell me I'm doing anything wrong. On colleges, they have safe spaces. We've heard about this. I look at my children and I think safe spaces are going to be like just a thing. It's a for sure thing. It's going to be. Now, whether you agree or disagree on safe spaces, um, I want you to know my opinion. The world is not a safe space. So right now, as a parent, our job as parents is to create safe spaces for children so that they can grow up and be nurtured and then go into the wild jungle. This is how life works. We don't need to save space all the way up, but we are. Instead, instead, we should learn to love discipline and correction because it is for our own good. I didn't... Uh, I didn't get corrected sometimes when I probably should have. When I tried to open a light socket, or not a light socket, a, a, an outlet, a plug outlet, I tried to open one of those with a key when I was a child. I didn't get yelled at or disciplined when I was saying, I'm going to unlock the key to electricity. And I sent black marks up the wall. I should have probably been disciplined. <laughs> oh, I should have been disciplined a lot but I was good at hiding things. But where are you with this rod and this staff? Are you an anti-disciplined person? Because there's something that actually becomes very tender and sweet about walking through the valley and understanding that we get disciplined. It's this. When you go through a valley, oftentimes in the valley, it's where you're in thick brush of life. You're in difficult circumstances. So God digs deeper with you and is guiding you a little bit more. He'll say, not that way. That's, there's a pit there. Not this way. Wolves live down there. We're going to go right this way. But to get us that way, remember, we're sheep. So he grabs us and he pulls us over. We start to walk toward the pit and he hits us because he's scared we're going to fall in because we're only inches away. But what happens sometimes is we get mad at God. We don't want to see and think about the fact that God says, the Bible says about God, that God disciplines those whom he loves. So if you're never getting disciplined by God, you should stop and really pause and say, am I God's child? I have this amazing privilege of being an under-shepherd of the good shepherd and one of the things that I see is I see people go through valleys. I see people who have felt beat by God, hooked by God, crooked by God. And there are two ways that people tend to go. People will, will run either in shame or embarrassment, fear, guilt. Or people will cling to the shepherd closer than they ever have before. People that can say, yeah, I was, man, I was going a bad way and I got caught. You didn't get caught. You got the rod of God's love. God could have let you continue to go in your sin, to go in your rebellion, to go chasing this false shepherd that gives you false hopes. But instead, God said, this is going to hurt, but I'm going to get you out of that hole. I'm going to bring this sin that you've been hiding to the light. And you're going to feel shame, but leave your shame. You're going to feel guilt, but leave your guilt. Because I still love you. I've always loved you. I've never left you. Some of us need to see God as the good shepherd. Some of us need to learn to 
embrace the rod when it comes to us and not get mad and run to a safe space, at least not as this world says it, because ultimately there is one safe space. There's one. And obviously, if you come here, you know I'm, it's somewhere between here and here. Jesus on the cross is our place that we go. And it's not safe because God will let us do whatever we want. It's safe because God will make us who we are called to be and empower us to do things he has given us to do. God will lead us through valleys, and we will follow him even if what he says doesn't make sense. I've been challenged by a couple of our members recently to continue to grow in boldness. Now, I'm already fairly bold. I'm like an overactive potpourri bag in public. But um, I thought I will be more bold. And, and if you have your chip, do you have your chips? Hold up your chips if you got a chip. If you didn't get a chip, you can get a chip on the way out. You got a chip? You got a chip, little man. Frank, where's your chip? If you don't have a chip, you owe me a dollar. That's a thing that I have going with him because gambling is biblical. That's how they chose the apostles' replacement. Okay. So I got these chips when I first came to the chapel, and I was like, pretty discouraged Um, because when a pastor comes in after the pastor that started the church they call the second pastor the sacrificial lamb because the church kills us or the church dies Um, so I was like this is going to be cool I'll move across the country with three kids and a wife and I'll become the sacrificial lamb but I'm that guy who's like a challenge accepted and I moved here and um, I remember like I looked at all the numbers and it was going to be great And then I got here, and when I got here, the church, it was a loving body and is a loving body still to this day, but um, we had stacks and stacks of chairs in the back here and stacks of chairs over in the back here, and there were Sundays where I would come in and I'd be like, man, it's just sad here. And I would preach the Bible, and then I'd leave. I'd be like, man, it was sad there. And then as pastors, we get all of our validation by how many people attend services. So back then, it was, it was the one service thing. And there'd be Sundays where it'd be like 78 people, 80 people, 90 people, 100 people. I said, God, I just want people to be loved by the chapel family. I don't care how many people come to the chapel family, but I want the chapel family to be radical lovers of this community, this city, this area. So I made a bet with God. And that's where the first round of poker chips came in. And I said, okay, here we go. If you've got road rage, you put the side that says, love God, love others in front of your speedometer. And every time you road rage, you look at that. The reason that I used that illustration that day is because that was a day where I was on the phone uh, with my friend Jared right here. And as the phone was ringing through my Bluetooth, a truck literally pushed me off the road. And I said choice words before I realized he had answered. (laughs) And like a good friend, and they were only level three tier cuss words. So don't be uh, upset if your pastor says bad words. But, but like a good friend, he didn't even say anything until the very end of the conversation. We had our conversation, blah, 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 blah. And in the very end, he goes, hey, before we get out of the phone, did you just say bleep, 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 bleep? I was like, no. <laughs> Flip it over. Share the gospel, show the gospel. My, my hunch is not for the glory of the chapel, not for the glory of you, not for the glory of me, not for the glory of this building or this community or this city, that God is doing something in Fishhawk. Because things that I've been praying for in this area are finally coming to pass. I've been praying that pastors would come to hang out with each other. And, and it did. They did recently. We're, we're coming together to work toward reducing and eliminating the foster need in this area. 
And it took me two years to get a pastor to come and hang out with me. A pastor came here and, and we filmed a video in here and he said, hey, can I use your pulpit? I said, that's not my pulpit, that's God's pulpit. Are you God's guy? I'm God's guy, use God's pulpit. Now my bet again is with you that, that you would keep this with you for two reasons. One is, if you see Frank Miller, the guy crossed his arms like a thug New Yorker, if you show him your chip and he doesn't have his, he'll give you a dollar. Right? He will. I'm, I've, I attest to this. But if you play the game with him, that means that he gets to do it back to you. So be warned, because I've lost many dollars. But the other thing is, I want to give us a tangible reminder that, that the bet we're playing, it's a winning bet. Because we're not betting on ourselves, we're not betting on our uniqueness, we're not betting on our intelligence, our savvy, our ability to share the good news of Jesus. We're, we're betting on our ability to follow the shepherd. Your role in this, it is hard. But remember who you are. Remember. And remember who Jesus is when he disciplines you and cares for you and loves you. Because the, the, the prayer ends that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. As you follow the shepherd, goodness and mercy will follow you and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Thank you for your words. Lord, help us as a people to love discipline. Help us as a people to see your hand in our correction and to not run from you and turn from you, but to turn towards you and hold you tighter. Lord, help us in our weakness to remember that we are sheep and you are the good shepherd. Father, this is all for your glory. Make us people who fall desperately in love with you this week. Help us to go out and be beacons of love as we bring more people into your family. In Jesus' name, amen.